Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Damien Mather from Destination Southern Tasmania and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. TICT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoyed today's episode, remember there are now more than 130 episodes of Talking Tourism Conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TICT website at tict.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and Pakana, and TICT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past and present, for their enduring care and management of these islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, McDermott's Coaches. McDermott's Coaches is Tasmania's largest coach, tour and specialist transport service provider, supplying tours, transfers and coach charters for large and small groups around Tasmania and interstate. They offer the local knowledge and experience of the McDermott family, along with more than 50 staff, all of whom are committed to delivering great service. Thanks to McDermott Coaches for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Tim Pommier, co-founder of Warbs Harbour Distillery. When Tim and his wife, Beck Pommier, began looking for a herbal tea remedy to help ease indigestion, they saw a gap in the market. Beginning in 2013 out of their Hobart garage and utilising the power of social media and word of mouth, Tim and Beck founded the Flat Tummy Tea Co. and grew a company into a global brand of detox and wellbeing industry. Selling their startup business for an eight-figure sum in 2021, Tim and Beck are now investing their energy into Tasmanian tourism and whiskey industry with the establishment of Warbs Harbour Distillery at Bishano. Welcome, Tim, to Talking Tourism. Thanks for having me, Damien. No worries. So let's start off by talking about Flat Tumming Tea Co and how that came to fruition. Sure, yes. Um, this is, yeah, way back in 2013. Beck and I, we were working in marketing and e-commerce kind of roles and we were a lovely idea of getting into something. And at the same time, Beck kind of suffered with some different digestion and bloating issues herself and was using a similar product to kind of alleviate that. And so putting two and two together, we sort of started thinking about whether this might um, work for others. And we kind of developed a tea, a herbal tea made of a bunch of different teas that, yes, could kind of solve this problem Set it around to a bunch of family and friends and, and it was really sort of working for these guys. That's when we thought, right, let's, uh, let's give this a crack as a bit of an e-commerce business. Put together a website, launched it within sort of a few months. Um, it was a very lean sort of business. You know, we're talking about $1,000 worth of funds behind it, nothing really, to start this website and get it off the ground. And that's how it came about. Yeah, great. I mean, it sounds like one of those great Tasmanian stories of entrepreneurship where you find a gap in the market and then have a crack. Yeah, and on day one, we really didn't know what to expect. Like, it turned out to be quite a success. But on day one, we got 11 orders. And I thought, wow, like, that was pretty good. Day two, we got three orders. Day three, zero orders. And, you know, that was when the reality sort of reality check hit. And it was all about, right, what can we do? What are we going to do here to get ourselves out there? We, had, we Because we were in sort of marketing roles and that sort of thing, we were and, and kind of entrepreneurial at heart, we had a bit of an you know, a bit of hustle about us. And so we started experimenting with different things. And the one thing that sort of started resonating was using social media well. And 
we started sending tea out to different people on social media, which now we call influencers. But back in 2013, influencer marketing wasn't a thing at all. Um, in fact, you would never even seen the term influencer marketing. Not even influencers sure. knew they were an influencer back then. It was kind of the golden era, really. And so we'd send out this tea to the, this product to these different influencers, mostly in Australia at this point. And in return, of course, they would you know, kind of promote the product. Instantly, we saw some results out of this. And so we followed our nose. We started doubling down and we did more of this. And we did it more and more and more and more. In the end of the day, we uh, created quite a social media following and quite a bit of buzz online through doing this. And, you know, the 100,000 followers on Instagram ticked, 200,000 ticked, 300. With our staff, we would grow. We, we had sort of, you know, after a couple of years, we had about 20 staff and every 100,000 followers on social media that we grew wow. by, we had a cake to celebrate. Great. Some fond memories. So I guess you could say the Palmiers were the pioneers of influence marketing here in Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But uh, certainly we're at the forefront like in terms of, you know, we just fell into that and, uh, yeah, we were certainly doing a lot more than many. So having established such a successful startup, what was the turning point that made you decide to enter the world of whiskey and establish Warps Harbour and Distillery? Yes, uh, good question because, um, you know, this was a fast-growing business that we had, this e-commerce business. Literally after a few years, a US, uh, like, publicly listed company tapped us on the shoulder and wanted to buy us out, wanted to write us a big fat check, and we said, okay, no worries, I'm happy with that. Like, this wasn't um, necessarily like a, a huge passion project. We love the entrepreneurial sure. growth side of it, behind it. But, you know, we were living in Perth by this stage, I should note. So it started in Tassie, but we went over to Perth and it was a bit of a lifestyle change. We had to, you know, get out for a little bit, which everyone loves to do. So we sold it. We wanted to move back to Tassie and we did. We moved back. We got we got pregnant. It was this great time of our lives for that. We bought our, bought our house sort of thing. And then it was sort of a sit down moment, take a breath and think, what next? And, uh, you know, what, what are our options here? Retire, sit on a beach? No, we were, we were keen to do something. We were young, only 30 years old or something by this point. And so we loved the idea of expo um, exploring something else. And ne the next phase was getting into whiskey, which is a very different business. Whiskey, and it came about because there was a bit of a collision of a few different things. One was our love for whiskey, a genuine, like we would sit around and drink a lot of whiskey. Um, it, just, it was just a bit of a passion on the side. Never thought I'd get into whiskey because it's such a different business to this other one. Uh, this other one, like I said, $1,000 startup cost. Whiskey times out by many. <laughs> sure. And, um, and that's just to get started sort of thing. So it's a very different thing. But it was a collision of wanting to do something in Tassie. It was just something that, because we were very kind of proud Tasmanians and we just loved the idea of creating a really authentic and genuine product here in Tassie. It was that collision of that. But thirdly, it was sort of collided with the fact that my brother was a a great distiller in Tassie. He was the head distiller at Overeem Whiskey and then head of production at Lark Distillery. And he had a had a great background beyond that too. He had um, a master's in marine science. So he's a bit of a, a science nerd at heart. He was thinking as himself, like Rob, my brother, he was thinking himself like, okay, he'd love to push the boundaries here and do something different within the whiskey world. And we're sitting there as, you know, thinking we'd love to create something in Tasmania. We love whiskey and we'd often sit around and have whiskies with him because he was into whiskey all these years. You know, growing up, he was the sort of guy that was, he's that true tazzy craftsman. He'd sort of grow up, you know, keeping his own bees, making his own cheese, you know. He'd go for a smoked salmon pizza at his house. He literally had, he'd needed the dough. He'd made the sour cream that went on the pizza. He caught the salmon and smoked it. 
And that's the kind of craftsman he is. He just loves to make and create. and True and, you know, Yeah, a classic <laughs> true Tassie. It was fortuitous timing. We teamed up and we had this bit of a moment where we were sort of sitting around a campfire on a beach type thing, like classic sort of Tassie setting. And I sort of posed the question one night, like, okay, so if you could create whiskey your way, like you've already been creating great Tasmanian whiskey, if you could do it your way with the equipment you wanted and the style you wanted, how would you do it? And that was the question that sort of started unlocking, you know, and sparking like, you know, a collaboration that it eventuated in creating a brand called Warbs Harbour, our, you know, our, our single malt whiskey Tasmanian it's a, and a brand. And it's very much a, um, yeah, it's, it was a natural kind of unfolding. It's a great story. And I love that concept that you mentioned, a collision of passions between, you know, the Tasmania and a love of whiskey. Thinking back to some of the challenges that you had in starting up your own business, what advice would you give to listeners out there about how to go about starting up a new business or adding on a new product or service to their existing business? Yes. Well, I think it's uh, all context and it depends a lot. Um, so if starting up a new business, you know, like I wouldn't say race out there if you didn't have some decent experience as such and capital or something to get into something like we have. And it depends on your age, yeah, it depends on your experience levels, all that sort of thing. I think we were young when we started that e-commerce business and um, that was a great business to start because you get all the lessons, you can get into it straight away, but you haven't sort of risked the house as such. You can literally, and especially this day and age, just listening to, at this conference, we've heard of great new technologies, you know, like chat, GTP and all this stuff. Like it's never been easier to get into business. So the biggest thing you need actually is courage and determination. I think that's one of the things that holds people back most. So if you can just give it a crack, get, you know, do it after hours, just start, just give it a crack. And it's really that courage because it's never been easier. Sometimes that's all it takes is just having a crack and making a start, doesn't it? So Warbs Harbour Distillery is located in Bishano. Why did you decide on that location? And, and tell me about the brand itself. How did that come, come about? Some of our favourite brands in the world were these super maritime brands, you know, from Scotland. You know, some of the, the most recognisable brands, I'm thinking um, the brands on Isla in Scotland, the Talisker's, the Oban's. It's, there's some beautiful examples of this maritime whisky because whisky is all about the provenance of which the barrels matured. Not all about, but that's a that's a significant part about it and the ingredients of where it's made and that sort of thing, of course. In Tasmania, we're surrounded by this pretty wild maritime coastline and so we love the idea of taking Tasmanian whisky, which is, you know, this beautiful premium product that we've got some ideal conditions to create, but pair that with doing it in a maritime style. And so from early on, our vision was to try to find a location which we could enable that provenance, that environment. We had a, actually a shack in Bishanoe and so we were kind of close to that area and one day discovered that these beautiful old buildings, which is an old agriculture area down in the Gulch area, an old oyster hatchery was semi-available, like it was vacant. Well, when I say available, it was sitting there vacant. We didn't know what was happening in there. It was, uh, it was set up fully as an oyster hatchery, but we kind of knocked on the door of the, you know, via email and uh, said, what's happening with this building? And one thing led to another and bang, we were able to purchase this building. This is back in 2018. And that really sort of sparked like, the, you know, that really gave us a home. And it's literally metres from the ocean. There's water lapping onto the pillars of the building. And that creates this super interesting saline kind of environment that creates a unique character in the whiskey. Absolutely. So that was, that was our vision, the mar a maritime Tasmanian single malt whiskey. And 
Tasmanian whisky producers are well respected on a world stage. There was a contingent that recently went over to Belfast. How receptive were they to a new operator coming in and establishing themselves? Very supportive. That's one of the great things about the Tasmanian whisky industry. As Bill Lark said at best back in the day, it's the rising tide floats all boats. At the end of the day, Tasmanian whisky is a very small sector on a global stage and we need to work together to ensure that quality on a global stage. We're sort of entering into the third stage, I'd say, in Tasmanian whisky. That first stage was when Bill Lark started this whole thing. First 10 years, really, or so, getting established, a few brands popping up, seeing if we can actually make whisky in Tassie. Second stage, putting it on the map within ta- in Australia and actually, and even on the world stage, just proving that we can actually create a quality product, you know, creating a, a, you know, a number of genuinely good distilleries in, a, in Australia and, you know, it branched out from Tasmania into the rest of Australia. But now we're entering this third phase. Now we're going into proper volume and proper production. You know, there's some big distilleries out there with significant money. We're not one of those in terms of the capital behind us. um, We'd be considered a a sort of small to medium sort of size distillery. But yes, you'll see in the next few years some significant volume that that will be exported. So that's really kind of exciting thing in in terms of tourism in Tasmania because what you're going to see is some significant marketing budgets spent uh, internationally on promoting a very provenance-based product, a product that speaks to the land, that speaks mm. to the way of life, that speaks to, to the people. So that's a large part of how you market whiskey and uh, you're going to see some significant budgets doing that in some key areas around the globe. And Tim, congratulations, mate. Speaking of uh, showcasing Tasmanian whiskey on a world stage... Warped Harbour Distillery has recently just won the Masters Award at the World Whiskey Masters in London. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, uh, no, it was a bit of a testament. I mean, without the, the risk of sounding arrogant, we, we, I was fairly confident because, I, you know, I've known my brother forever and I knew that he was very good at making whiskey. So from day dot, I was sort of fairly confident that he'd be able to make a good whiskey. And if he didn't, he's my brother, so I could, you know, sort of beat, beat him up or something. I, I didn't have a plan for a second, but I was always confident that he could make a great whiskey. And so it was, it was no surprise that we did well in some recent awards. And look, in the scheme of things, five years of operation is nothing in the world of whiskey. So that's, it's a pretty huge accolade to receive. And so that was for the Port Storm whiskey? Correct, yes. And then also a couple of gold medals as well? Yes, for other two products, yeah. Well, excellent, mate. What's next for Warbs Harbour? Anything else on the horizon for you? Like you said, five years in. We only really just released these whiskies three or four months ago, so it's early days for us, um, super early days. This is a 10-year sort of business before you even kind of get going in my book. It's a, it's a really a – first 10 years, you're sort of building the brand. Next 10 years, you're really sort of getting it out there. Super slow business um, model and very capital intensive, um, but it's a very genuine and authentic thing. You can't cut corners. You can't pull the wool over people's eyes at all. No. You know, and for us, that was an important thing. When we started this business, day one, we said, now I think this is a story and a lesson for all, you know, I don't, I don't know if it applies to everything, but telling a genuine story and just being genuine and authentic about everything is super important. The more you can do that, the easier your kind of marketing job is. Like for us, we've got some key parts to our vision and and our story in that we've got this beautiful area, this provenance, this home, and it doesn't take much to tell our story because all we have to do is go out and snap a couple of photos, this place which we've got, a very scenic place in the very wild coastline in Tasmania. 
um, which listeners obviously can't see, but if you want to look it up, go to our website and um, or Instagram or something and check it out. Uh, very scenic place and it, it allows us to tell a very genuine maritime kind of story because I'm literally out there in the mornings before work crayfishing with my young son. I've got a little boat tied up out the front on the jetty, perks of living on the coast, right? We go out like literally every morning in the cray season, grab a cray out of the pot hopefully, especially early in the season, likely more than one. And because I've got, <laughs> because our building's this old abalone farm and oyster hatchery, I've got live tanks here. So I've got crayfish that I'm catching in the morning. It's a 15-minute kind of exercise before work in my live tanks wow. inside. And it, it, that's just something that I do because I, you know, love the coast. Uh, if it's not that, I'm out surfing or something. And very, you know, if I can ever find the time with work, but of course, but you know, it's just telling those easy, genuine stories. So people come through the distillery and it's not really part of a tour or anything, but they, we do offer tools and tastings and they, right. and this happens every day. We've got some great things happening. In fact, we've got a great partnership with guys like Sapphire who are just down the road. We bring the Sapphire guests to us three times a week, but it's very easy for us to tell a story when they come through and they're like, Hey, what's, what's the crayfish in the tank for? You know, sort of, and, and, you know, you get talking and you say, oh, I'll go out there and get that, you know, in the morning. And it's just a part of the way of life. And that's those little ancillary almost stories are part of what makes our greater maritime kind of story. And um, I think, yeah, I think just being genuine and authentic in your story and less about marketing and more about just, yeah, create what you love. Honing on your passion. Yeah, exactly. And, And in Tassie, I think we're lucky with that because in Tassie we've got, so many great agri-tourism agri- kind of stories to tell. Just be genuine and authentic about it. Mm. That's great. Now, a key, key part of talking tourism is what we call the big seven questions. Now, it's said that everyone's going to judge you more on your responses to these than anything else. So, strap yourself in, mate. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hit me, hit me. <laughs> it sounds like you probably already touched on it, but what's your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? Well, I mean, biased, but I do love the East Coast, the Bishano kind of mm. lifestyle. I just love the the surf and the, the cleanliness of that wild ocean and the, and the diving and the fishing. You know, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the East Coast. Great spot. All right. Question two. What's your favourite travel destination anywhere in the world this could be? Favourite travel, like, oh, geez, this is tough. And it depends on the context. Like if I was to go, if, if you just said, where would you go tomorrow and, you know, have a nice relaxing time because I'd be all about that. I'd just, I just want to go and chill. Yeah. I'd actually probably head to something back to like Margaret River, WA. Sure. Yeah, like okay. I know that's not the most exotic place, you know, I could have said something in Fiji or something, but I, I think I'd love to go there with my family um, next week, just go and chill, get a few waves, have a beer on the beach, like good times. That's what you kind of used to that's do when perfect. we lived over there. Yeah, yeah great. Question three, someone's coming to Tasmania for the very first time and asks you what's the one thing that they absolutely must do whilst they're here, apart from visit Warbs Harbour Distillery, what do you tell them to do? I, I'm thinking I'd like to send them to somewhere like a really great Tassie experience, like a, a very environmental experience. Something that you wouldn't be easily able to do would be, you know, go and get dropped off in the southwest you know, Tassie somewhere on a beach, you know, hundreds of kilometres from anywhere. That'd be amazing. But I know reality is that you wouldn't be able to do that. So I think like a substitute could be chatting to uh, like, I mean, going on the like Pentecost cruise um, because that's something that I do. My, I haven't done, I've actually never been on a cruise, but I, um, I'm a big bit of a fan because 
they go to the places where we go on our boats and fish all the time, that sort of thing. And, and some of those amazing sort of stunning um, wild coastlines where you see whales and that sort of thing. But it's, it's, more, it's more for those amazing big jagged rocks out of those cliffs and that Iconic. sort of thing. So Iconic, I think yeah. that would be, you know, that's an accessible, easy sort of thing for someone to do out of Hobart or, or down at Bruni, Port Arthur areas. So uh, that'd be, that, um, I sound like I've been paid for Pentecost, guys. I've ne- <laughs> I haven't even met Rob Great Pentecott answer. before. <laughs> Although I think he's here today. He is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Question four. You're walking the overland track for five days with three other people. Anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, living or dead? Who are these three people and why? Uh, good question. I think I would have to go with just someone that would be interesting for, for five days or a while. You wouldn't want to pick the wrong person. That <laughs> could, could go south. I don't know. Let's go with someone like um, Tony Robbins for like just interest sake. Imagine like, you know, you'd be so pumped. You'd be walking double speed with Tony Robbins on the track. <laughs> uh, maybe like Warney or something just for yeah. the tall story. There'd be yep. an amazing amount of stories. I could just imagine like Tony Robbins and Warney kind of getting along. And I, w- I, oh, I don't know, just someone a bit different. You know, who knows? I don't know. Margot Robbie, just because I see her in a paper every day and she'd be, you know, she'd be pretty interesting at the moment, you know, rise to fame to chat to her and um, to have in that mix. I think it would be a pretty funny mix. <laughs> she probably need to dress a little bit more appropriately than Barbie, but yeah. 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 <laughs> Question number five. You're road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? I would normally be listening to a, like a business podcast of some sort. Yeah, do like that. It's my chill out time. I've got a couple of kids, so any time in the car is a, a holiday, really. <laughs> and uh, but if not that, if I was just trying to cruise and chill, I'd be on to I'd be on to like Fat Fetish Drop or Xavier Rudd or something, just chilling. That's just my style, though. Question six: Once you arrive at your destination, what's your tipple of choice? I think I know tipple. the answer. Oh yes, yeah. Well, it's easy whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And what what would it be? What label? Ah, oh, well, geez. One of the great things about whiskey is that it's, you know, I've got a pretty large collection and it's not like, it's not, you know, something in like in beer, you often got your go-tos, but in whiskey, I really do explore. Like every night I'll, I'll be onto something sort of different because your palate change, your mood change, you want to explore. So I wouldn't want to give you a, you know, a, a brand apart from our own, obviously uh, I can drink my own more freely. So I, uh, I drink that probably more often than anything else, but you know, I love exploring all sorts of whiskies, all from around the world too. Not just not just Australian, not just Tassie, Scottish, um, not just Japanese either. There's some amazing whiskies coming out of all over the show these days. And question seven, this is the big one. The big debate splits the state. Curry Tasmanian scallops, a culinary delight or a culinary crime? <laughs> well, they were serving them at lunch here today, and I had them. And I was like, you beauty. I was like nearly high-fiving people because in Tassie, scallops are fairly available. And if you go diving, you've got to get a little bit innovative of how you cook them. They're not just for, you know, searing them with some butter in in the half shell on a barbecue, which can be amazing and and gourmet. You've got to get inventive, put them in a pie for all I say. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, great to chat to you. Thanks for your time, Tim. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. Also remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania and today's episode was brought to you with support of our partner, McDermott's Coaches. A big thanks to Caleb Miller, Mac40 Media, our audio specialist who produces these episodes. I'm your host, Damien Mather, and we'll catch you up next time.